Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. All right. Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council meeting, also a video and podcast series. We are so excited to have you guys here today. Thank you for coming. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership group for executive level marketers. And the purpose of this group is twofold. We like to get together and share tips of what's going on in our particular area of marketing. And that way we can stay up to speed on all of the different areas of marketing without having to do the research ourselves and know everything about all the areas ourselves. And then we also like to help each other and share business. If somebody needs sales support, they probably need graphic design or they probably need social media. And so we're able to refer clients. And then if somebody needs a service in marketing, then we're also able to get to know other people who offer those services and be able to offer really sound referrals and know know the people that we're offering um, or know the people that we're working with. So so excited to have you guys here today. And here's a little bit about how the meeting works. We have people who submit tips on the website and the people that are our featured experts submit tips. And then we have guests that submit as well. And the chosen tips are presented during four minutes. So you'll have four minutes to present your tip and then we'll have about one minute for questions. And Sarah will have a timer. So she'll just give you a little wave when you're starting to get close to your time and then her timer will go off and that'll let you know to wrap up. And then we'll have just a minute or so to discuss. So if you have a question about somebody's tip or if you had something that you wanted to um, mention it in relation to that tip, you'll have just a minute or so to do that. So that way we can get all those questions in and not have the moment move by. And I put the name of all the people who are presenting today in the chat and I'll go ahead and, and put it in again. But it looks like we've got a couple people out. I know somebody just mentioned that somebody was sick that was planning on coming today. So we might have a couple people out because tis the season for colds. Um, but you know, if somebody pops on, we'll just go ahead and, and, um, let them jump in. So, and then when you do present your tip today, please say your name and your company so that we know who you are. And just remember that tips are educational and informational. So we're not trying to do commercials about your company. We're all going to find out how great your company is just by you offering your expertise, but we really want to stick to educational informational tips today. So um, looks like we have a couple of people out. So Scott, would you like to start us off today? Sure. Yeah. Let me just, can I share my screen? Let me just pull it up. Yes. Okay. Can everyone see my screen? Yes. Oh, that went dark. Let me try that again. Okay, so good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors. What I'd like to talk about today at the end of the year, five things sales managers need to do to be effective leaders. You can be a sales manager or you could be a small business owner. 
Number one, believe it or not, only 50% travel with their sales rep. Well, why is this important? If you want to get feedback from your customer, you should be there in person. As much as I love salespeople, you never want to rely on the salesperson. You get to figure out how well your strategy is. For all of my marketing friends, you get to understand how well your marketing plans are working. And what a great opportunity to provide coaching and training. Number two, only 46% have their sales rep sign their annual compensation plan. Well, why is this important? What a great way to set expectations for the year. The sales rep signs that comp plan, they own it. And at the end of the year, you wanna eliminate any surprises or any miscommunication. Number three, only 57% create an accurate forecast. So why is that important? Well, it's important because it gives you a, a, a clue or an idea on where your P&L is. What about all those marketing plans you built? How do you know if they're working? How do you know if your clients are responding if that's not in the forecast? Think about a supply chain impact. If you don't know what the forecast is, how do you know what to go order? And it provides a great way for that sales rep to own their forecast. And it gives you a great idea on how well they know their customers. Number four, only 43, think about it, 43 provide clearly defined sales metrics. But why is this important? If you don't have a quota, how do you know where to go? If you don't know how many phone calls, how many meetings, how many emails to send out every week, how are you going to achieve your quota? And only 37% train their sales reps before they go on a call. And why is this important? Well, it provides clarity. If you think about a value proposition, how do you know that sales rep is actually communicating the right thing to the client to close that sale? And you want to make sure you role play. Everyone hates to role play, but it is so important. And you want to make sure you customize your training. Across your team, you're going to have new sales reps. You're going to have tenured sales reps. Make sure that you customize your training to fit the makeup of your team. And at the end, it all comes down to people. A lot of what we talk about in sales and marketing is about collaboration. It is about setting expectations, making sure you have clear roles and responsibilities. And the number one thing you have to do is make sure you hire the right people. My name is Scott Siegel, and my company is Beacon Sales Advisors. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. And Scott is our featured expert in the category of sales. And there's so many things in there that bring up so many good points and questions. But um, one thing that I would say is that I would love marketers to also go with salespeople to sales meetings. Yes, exactly. They hear what these salespeople have to say and sometimes you say something in marketing and it sounds pretty and it looks great on paper. And then all of a sudden you're in a real meeting and you hear real objections and all of a sudden those messages don't matter anymore. And mm -hmm. so I would love to also see not just the sales leaders, but also marketers <laughs> come on those meetings as well. So that's awesome. Great tips. Uh, who has some questions or thoughts for Scott? That was really helpful. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the percentage of sales training was so low. 37, I think, was it? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, you would yeah. think that would be important. 
it's almost a lost art. I mean, a lot of people, they, they hire people, they don't really take the time to go through an onboarding mm -hmm. or through formalized training to make sure they understand, Stephanie, to your point, all the marketing assets. Because otherwise they're going to go out and they're going to sell, they're not going to close deals, and then everyone wonders what happened. Mm -hmm. Spend the time up front, do the due diligence. I can guarantee you it'll pay off in the end. Yep. Any other thoughts or questions for Scott? Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, Joel here. Um, is there a particular mistake that you see made in the way that uh, sales are tracked or analyzed or, you know, just basically, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis that a lot of companies put on the metrics. And while the metrics, I know, I, I agree are important. Where any particular mistakes or, or or favorite one that you encounter? Yeah, the, the biggest mistake I, I see organizations make is they have too many goals. Keep it simple. Keep it three to five and make sure those three to five are, are going to be the goals that move your business. Certainly quota is one. The average revenue per client. How many calls a sales rep should make? Keep it to three to five. If you go above five, you start getting into it starts getting more complex you start having more meetings you start tracking more stuff just it's always always challenge yourself to keep it simple and keep it focused good advice scott that's awesome thank you thank you so much for presenting today and happy holidays everybody and happy new year thank you happy holidays Awesome. Eric, would you like to share your tip today and introduce yourself? Yes, you bet. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eric Atwood. I have a company called The Speaker's Studio. We do speech and presentation coaching, communication skill training, and speaking circles, which helps people overcome the fear of public speaking and just get more confident and effective speaking in groups. Um, most of what I do is virtual, just like we're doing now. Um, so it's obviously a, a little bit of a different dynamic, but it's using the same practices. And the main one is relational presence, which is being with people, not just speaking to them or listening to them, but really kind of noticing the relationship and the connection you have with people. So all of my work is based on that practice. Um, so I do one-on-one -on -one as well as group work. Um, so my tip today for all of you is um, it's really important that we make emotional connections with others. Um, it might be prospects, it might be clients, it might be a group situation where you're presenting yourself, it might be a consultation, it might be people that you know, but we connect the most deeply as human beings from an emotional place. Um, so the tip here is to speak from your heart. Um, we tend to, as human beings, speak from our heads, you know, about what we know, what we've experienced, facts and beliefs and perspectives and things. And that's obviously important. But when we drop into our heart and speak from an emotional place, um, but what's important to us, what we've experienced in a, in a really um, profound way, you know, why we do the work that we do, people connect in a much deeper way because we all feel the same emotions. We may not all have the same ideas and same beliefs, but we all have the same emotions. And so that idea of speaking from the heart with people um, really brings people together. And um, it just creates a, a stronger dynamic between one-on-one -on -one or in groups. So how do you wanna speak from the heart? Uh, share your why. You know, That's one of the things that uh, really brings people into like who you are, not just what you do. 
like why you got started doing this, you know, becoming an entrepreneur or running a business that you're running. Um, so when you speak from the why, some of you probably heard of Simon Sinek, you know, start from why that's his whole body of work. And it is, and it's, it's, it can be at a corporate level. Like why do people do the work that they do? And um, people can kind of get an emotion from that. So that's one thing you might want to do. You might want to share a story about, you know, how you got started doing this work. Um, you know, how you might have helped a client move through a challenge, you know, and it's always important to kind of focus on those emotions. You know, um, you've all probably heard the, the Maya Angelou quote, uh, people will forget what you said or what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Um, so that that emotional place um, just just helps people feel more connected. Like there's there's something um, there's more than that. Just what you're doing. It's, it's it's like why you're doing what you're doing and how you're making people feel in that space. Um, another way is to really thank people for what they do in the world and thank people for the time that um, they've given you in a one-on-one -on -one or in a group situation and recognize people for what they do. We all love to be recognized, right? Um, it, it makes us feel good when we do that for somebody else and it makes them feel good. So it's kind of a two-way thing, um, but it's all about emotional content. It's about emotional connection. Um, so sharing your why, sharing your stories, you might share about how you actually helped, um, you know, uh, a group of people like a team, I work with teams, you know, they might have had a particular challenge, it's like, what was it that you, you, you actually created for the whole team? And what was the end result? And again, focusing on the emotions around it. Um, so those are really important that speaking from the heart, really connecting from that place. And, um, you know, and sharing like what's meaningful to you, what's important to you, what are your values and, uh, and helping people see the importance of that in not just what they do, but how they're kind of showing up in the world and the difference they're making in the world. So, so those are some of my tips here today. It's all about speaking from the heart and being uh, connected emotionally with other people one-on-one -on -one and in groups. And again, you can do this just as effectively in virtual settings like this as you can in person. Um, so it's all just kind of coming from the heart and speaking from the heart. And by the way, you can also do this in written material, right? It's not just about spoken material, but you can do this in your marketing, your emails is coming from that, uh, that heart-centered emotional place too. Um, so with that, I will say thank you for listening and I hope this uh, resonated for, for you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. And I will say it takes practice because I attended one of Eric's speaking circles and it sounds easier than it is to do. And that's why I recommend you guys attend his speaking circles because you'll see in the moment, especially because I tend to think more than I feel and I tend to kind of live in the head a little bit more. And so to stop and add that emotion, especially in a business setting, mm -hmm. it actually takes, you have to get those um, skills in your mind and, and actually practice them. So it's it's a skill that I don't think necessarily comes natural to everybody. I mean, you really have to, to work at it, I think. At least I did. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and thanks for mentioning that because uh, a lot of people don't understand the value of it until they actually experience it. Either somebody showing them or they start to do it themselves. It's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Um, so yeah, it's it's helpful to sort of create the give some guidance or create a container where people can actually experience it. Absolutely. So thoughts or questions for Eric? Eric, that was uh, very good. Thank you. Those are something new. So you talked about how important it is to communicate your why or to tell a story. 
what are the components someone should think about when they're telling that? Because sometimes something might take someone 10 minutes to explain why. If you're helping someone think through how to effectively communicate that, are there certain things that they should do? Mm, yeah, thank you for that, Scott. Um, yeah, so usually it's just keeping it simple, just as you suggested, right? So keeping it short and brief. Um, stories can be two, three minute stories, it doesn't have to be a 10 minute story. But the idea is getting into that heart space of, um, you know, what is it about the work that I do that has really um, changed my life and changed, you know, how I show up in the world and how has it changed others, right? So, um, you know, pain points are one of those things that are really helpful when you can kind of focus on, you know, what shifted for me. I mean, I can tell you a story about, you know, I, I was completely lost in my life. I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. And then I realized I had a lot to share. And the speaking circles work and some of the practices I experienced changed how I saw myself and how I related to people. So when I share that story with people, they get a sense of, wow, this actually changed who he was and how he showed up. And then I can share a story about um, how I, I moved somebody, it might have been one person or a group of people, from you know, confusion, uncertainty, um, fear, uh, lack of confidence, those kind of things, into a place of liberation or um, the sense of real confidence in, in how they're speaking or how they're working together. Um, so those heart-centered um, emotions and the results I get for people and the results I've, I've felt and I've experienced immediately bring people together. So it's like starting from just one idea or one feeling or one simple heart-centered experience can, um, you know, is pretty much all you need to do to start just to have that conversation and make that emotional connection with people. So, yeah, hopefully that answered your question. It did. Thank you. You bet. So does anybody else have questions for Eric? Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I'm not exactly sure how to articulate this, which is, um, but I'll try to speak from my heart. Uh, the, the, uh, when it's, it's almost like I hear the, the speaking from the heart thing, which is great contribution. So thank you for, for talking that through uh, as an answer to how do you, how do you uh, be authentic? How do, how do you communicate something and speak from the heart? I mean, it's, it's almost like an answer to a question. Does, that, does, that, does it feel that way to you? Hmm. So being authentic, what does that mean for you? Well, that's really where I was going to go with it. So in other words, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's kind of what was percolating in my own head. Let's like um, when people do like a sales pitch and they're just pushing, that's the overall inauthentic thing. Because mm -hmm. even, even though what they're saying might be true and good, it still comes off as just pushy one-sided. I'm going to ram something through and you know you're gonna like it okay so yeah. so and it's difficult you know to to try to get across whatever unique specialty you might have or whatever uh particular point you're trying to convey while being human you know and while being straightforward mm -hmm. so so that's sort of what it means to me and 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 please feel free to comment on that but what i really wanted to ask was can you can you push too far to the point where you're trying to be authentic and you're trying to speak from the heart and it just gets overboard yeah yeah those are great points joel thank you for that 
um, yeah, there are times where we're trying too hard, right, to be authentic, and we're, we're trying to make a connection, or we're trying to impress people, um, and we're trying to sound intelligent, or we might even be pretending to be something we're really not, we're, we're performing in some way, and that yeah. really isn't authentic in my book. Um, that's just kind of, um, it's like exchanging information, but also trying to do something for somebody else instead of just thinking about, like, what does this mean for me? Yes, it's really important that we're thinking about other people and what we might be able to do for them. But when we start from just thinking about what is important to me, why am I doing the work I'm doing? You know, what is my value-centric um, proposition, if you will? And, and how have, have my practices and what I offer really changed how people have shown up in the world and experienced, you know, the practices that I offer. So sometimes it's helpful to actually literally consciously drop into your heart space before you start talking, hmm. right? So instead of just like starting a presentation, starting a conversation with like, hi, this is me and this is what I'm going to do. It's like, just drop in and feel like what's going on for you right now and feel about again dropping into like the why and you know what is it about what i do that actually serves and uh and, and makes an impact with other people so you know there are actually physical and mental practices that you can do to drop in like taking a breath you know like thinking about you know what it is instead of like or feeling what it is instead of just thinking about it um but, you know, it is it is a practice. It does take a little bit of time to get used to it. Um, but once you've once you've experienced it, like how to speak from the heart instead of the head, it'll it'll become more natural, you know, and things like speaking circles and, you know, just one on one conversations where you're just being with another can bring you into that sort of dynamic and, and start to make it feel like a little easier and and even more pleasurable to speak from that place. So hopefully that answered your question. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Joel. Great. Great questions. Joel, did you want to present a tip today? Uh, I wasn't planning on it. Uh, it's totally fine if you don't want to. I just wanted to at least I, give you the opportunity if you did. I can. I can. Okay. I, I, can talk about I know you often have something in your... <laughs> There's often something rattling around. Uh, if, I, if I tilt my <laughs> ear to the side, it usually falls out. <laughs> uh, um, I'll present something to you. I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. So, so um, with with no press, with no uh, thought or preparation, I I love the idea of really delving into offers. So, uh, an offer or a call to action. Uh, I'm old school, so I tend to think of it as uh, as offer. So, offer is what you the deal that you. I think of it as the deal that you make. What what are you trying to convey to somebody in, in a in a in a product or a service offering, and um, when you the actual language and the specific way that you offer it is absolutely and fully critical so um i did a bunch of stuff at time magazine years ago where we did split tests for their book clubs and it's where i where i got really excited about this idea about um about crafting your offer to make it perfect so we we did split tests of, of the CDA, CTA or the offer, and we did 16 cells, and they they all were worded slightly differently. So um, one of them was uh, three books for a dollar. The other one was four books for a dollar, three books for 99 cents, 
four books for 99 cents, three books for a dollar plus one free, four books for one dollar plus one free. I mean, these were the variations of the specific deal that we're making with folks. And, and you would think, you know, that it wouldn't make that much difference, or you, you might say that, because it's pretty much the same offer. It's either three or four books for a buck. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. But the way people perceive it is different. Um, any guesses? As, 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 and I will tell you that is the reason why you test an offer, a call to action, is because you want to know how it works specifically for that particular service or product offering. So one offer that worked for Military Book Club, which was one of the double-day clubs, did not work at all for the Mystery Guild, but one of their other uh, clubs. I'll give you the example from the Military Book Club because it's the one that I delved in most deeply when I work with them. One of those, one of those that I that I um, mentioned to you, I'm not sure if you'll remember them all, did a lot better than the others. Anybody willing to hazard a guess as to which did best? Get one free. Um, Something, go three. Why do, uh, uh, why do you think so? I don't know. It just seems like whenever it's, oh, you can get something free, then I think of myself at Publix. You know, they've always got those buy one, get one free. And then I feel like I have to buy it because I want the other one free, even though they probably inflated the price of the first one, to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah, I, uh, you, you hit it on the head. And, and, and I believe that that's the reasoning that people use to think it through. And I, that's my guess, right? I, I agree with your guess. You know, we, we both don't know and we're both guessing, right? But I mm -hmm. agree with it. Um, and even when, you, when we tried to do four books, you know, and then five books, we also further tested plus one free, both of those were plus one free. The three did best. And my theory behind why that did best was because if you offer too much, it sounds too good, but it, and, and then you want to mm -hmm. get the free thing along with it. So um, these offers did really well. That particular offer did really well with Military Book Club. It didn't do well with Mystery Guild. One of the other ones that I mentioned did better. Why do you, any, 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 so, so I'll tell you which one did better with Mystery Guild. And, and, and I'd love to know your, feed, your guys' feedback on uh, why you think that did better. Uh, the one that did best for Mystery Guild was four books for 99 cents. Why, why, um, why do you think that that did better with Mystery Guild? Basically, Military Book Club is, is a book about military history. And Mystery mm -hmm. Guild, all these, all these uh, paperbacks, uh, sorry, Military Book Club is mostly hardcovers, mostly books about history. Um, Mystery Guild is is mostly what I would call pulp fiction novels, fast mysteries that you kind of engage in and you read a whole lot of them. So maybe the mystery ones has the series, like lots of series, so they could get like a couple in a series. So they'd want to get four instead of just three. I like it. Might be an idea. Was it because it was a paperback book and they're cheaper? I like that idea too. I, I like both of them. I, in fact, I, you know, if I told you I knew for sure, I'd be an idiot, right? Because <laughs> we don't know for sure. You never know for sure what the person's real motivation is, right? I mean, I mean, you've heard people talk about like, uh, you know, how they try to do research and things like deodorant. 
No, it's not me. It's the next person who you know, who's got the deodorant problem, not me. You know, so it's really hard to really kind of know exactly what the real motivation is unless you're doing psychoanalysis on them. But that's the, both of what you both of you, what you both said is, is, is kind of what I think, too. Uh, you know, it's, it's just from being in it, trying to take a guess at it as to what the motivations are. Sometimes you can ask people and sometimes they'll give you that feedback, but it's really hard to get it. So awesome. thank you, Joel. I appreciate your last yeah. minute tip. You always yeah. have great thoughts. So, and I think it's true that what may matter to one customer may not matter to another. So if you have one conversation with one customer and you base all your marketing on that, you may be shortchanging what other customers are interested in so yeah it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure absolutely any thoughts or questions for joel i love the testing that's like always so it it always seems like why bother with it it's extra work whatever but it always reveals interesting insights and you know maybe people are going to be more receptive on this day than this day or this time than this time and um this wording it's yeah, I mean, we effort. do the same thing with ads mm -hmm. and we send them out with A-B testing. Yep. Well, I know, and I was going to ask you, Brian, because I know ID8 is phenomenal at talking to the customers before they develop a brand mm -hmm. and you guys get a lot of information. So how do you guys do that? What kind of scope of the number of people that you contact and how do you guys do that? Can you maybe just give us a little insight into Yeah. So like for a branding project, um, We'll talk with um, either executives or management uh, within the company. Um, we'll talk to employees within the company to get their take on the brand. Um, and then we'll also talk to past clients. Um, and what we always try and tell our client is don't just give us your, your best customers or your best employees. Give us a little bit of both because you're not gonna get a, a good product if you just give us the best thing. Um, we need to know everything, you know, good and bad uh, to help, you know, turn your, your brand into a better experience. Because for me, that's how I def define brand. It's, it's the experience that the customer and the employee gets uh, within the company. We've been do doing a lot of internal rebrands for clients lately. Yeah, that was, that was gold right there because everybody wants to send the customers who are going to say all the nice things, mm -hmm. but it's sometimes the ones that maybe aren't quite as happy that you may realize, hey, my brain needs to shift because I'm not serving those needs when I need yeah. to be. And we're missing something there. So that's gold right there. That was a tip yeah. <laughs> just in of itself. So awesome, sounds great. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for your tip, Joel, we appreciate it. Sarah, do you wanna introduce yourself and do your tip today? Yes, so I'm Sarah Stewart with Sogro PR. I do, um, I'm our social media expert. So I do a lot of social media marketing and, um, help with our campaigns and strategy and all that type of stuff. Um, so today my tip revolves around getting ready for next year. So let me share my screen. All right, um, can you guys see my screen? Yep. Okay, so um, getting ready for next year. So we really wanna think about cleaning house, refreshing profiles, setting the tone and communicating. So, um, you know, revamping and cleaning social profiles, you know, going in, this is a great time of year. You're going to have a little extra time over Christmas, you know, over the holiday or whatever holiday that, you know, your winter break, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, think about some new images that you can put up on your social media profile, some new content, you know, check all your about information, you know, and, and with the content as well, you know, social media is visual. So, you know, think about updating some of those graphics, updating, you know, if we've got new leadership or, you know, just any of the images and things like that, that people see when they first come to the page. Um, could, could, if you've, you know, done a redesign of your offices, you know, you could put up some new office images or, you know, whatever, but just so that when people go to that profile that they feel like it's current and it's fresh and it's not, you know, just sitting there and out of date and that type of thing, you want it to feel current. Um, the next thing is your mission clear in your description. So, I mean, and this can go down to even on, you know, Instagram where it's like a two sentence or one sentence thing or on Twitter, do you have, you know, a couple words in there to say the mission of your company and the mission of, you know, what you're trying to do, who you're trying to help, you know, the message you're trying to convey people want to connect with your company. And a, a lot of the times they're going to be comparing you to your competitors online. They're going to be searching back and forth through profiles and, you know, what about your profile is going to speak to them? What is going to stand out and be something, like you said, talking from the heart that's going to be, oh, this is a little different than all the other competitors that are just selling or doing this service. This is something that connects with me or this is something that's different or um, meaningful. Um, make sure that, you know, all your technology in terms of your links and, you know, tagging and SEO is all up to date in your profiles. Um, you've got links to your website. You've got all your about information. If you've moved, your addresses are up to date, um, phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. So that's easy to fix and update. Um, start of the year is a great time to highlight top executives and do thought leadership. People are always looking you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, what people at the top of the industry are thinking about, you know, what they're forecasting for the year to come, um, you know, what, what they think about the past year, you know, what they appreciate, but, you know, whatever, think about whether you're the top executive or you work with the top executive and you do their marketing, really getting them to, you know, pin some or you pin it for them and they approve it some thought leadership pieces to set the tone for the coming year for the company and set the tone for customers. Um, and then lastly, express your commitment to your customers. Do some things, you know, those happy holidays cards, those thank you for your business, um, those type of simple things that let people know that you appreciate them, that you appreciate their business. Um, it means a lot. Like it's the simple thank you on the way out the door. It's, you know, it, it counts. So make sure you do that. Show some love. Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. We appreciate it. Great tips. And it's good to put yeah. on the calendar and actually have that as something that pops up. These are the things to start doing and, and just get it in your normal, normal rhythm. So that's great. All right. Well, I'm going to present a tip today. And my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is SoGrow Public Relations. And we do PR mostly for B2B companies. And today I'm gonna to talk about something that I get a lot of questions about. And I've had a lot of clients sign author agreements lately. So I'm gonna talk about some things that you need to know before you sign an author agreement. And we'll start with what is an author agreement? When you submit a byline article to a publication to be published, 
it is common uh, practice for an editor to send you an author agreement that basically just outlines the terms of how this content will be used and who owns it. And it varies widely because some publications are strict about who owns the content and other publications basically say it's we're going to publish it, but you can do whatever you want with it. And so understanding what you're signing is helpful and keeping in mind the editors and the publications are not trying to steal your copyright. They're not trying to make a bunch of money off of your ideas and that sort of thing. Generally, the goal for the editor is if they want exclusive content, they want to protect that content. They want to make sure that if they run an article, it's not going to appear in 20 other publications. So they're trying to set some terms to say, if you give us this article, then it's ours and we're either going to run it first or it's not going to run anywhere ever again. But again, it varies on publication. So a few things that you need to know when you sign an author agreement, read through it and understand, are you transferring the copyright of the article to the publication? There are some publications that will not publish something unless they actually own the copyright. And so the question that always comes up for me is, well, do they own my ideas then? And so what the copyright of that article is that arrangement of words. So you're saying that this publication can own that specific arrangement of words and that you're not going to take those exact, that exact arrangement of words and give it to somebody else to publish. But that doesn't mean that you can't ever write about the topic again. And that's what a lot of my clients are afraid of. They think, well, if I give them this article, then I can never write that again. You can take those same ideas and that same concept and you can do a different title. You can do different headings. You can say things in a different way, but still make the same points. So just be careful when you're when you're reading these agreements to understand, am I giving the copyright to the publication? And then what's in there? So if you have something that, let's say it's a proprietary process and you have five steps, you probably don't want to put those five steps in there and have that copyright transferred to the publication. So you also have to be careful because when you sign an agreement, a lot of times it says that that what is in the article is not copyrighted somewhere else. So if you have content, let's say five steps to proprietary and you have that copyright or somebody else has that copyright, you're not gonna to wanna to put that in the article and then transfer that copyright to the publication. So, you know, just be careful and, and think about and read the language and make sure, you know, who actually owns the copyrighted publication or the article. And then realize that you may not be able to repost that article on your platforms. I run into this a lot with clients, and this is something that used to happen a lot more when, when everything was in print and not as much digital, but you have to pay what's called a reprint fee sometimes on your own website for an article that you wrote. Some publications will allow you to write an article and publish it, but then they own it. And if you want it on your website, you might have to pay for that. And again, I don't see this as much, but there are some, I would say old school publications that still do this. So just be aware that, um, and even publications that don't charge you for it, oftentimes don't want you to repost it on your blog or repost it on your website. So be careful to not just take an article that you wrote and think, oh, I own this. I'm gonna put this on all my platforms because a lot of times it doesn't work like that. And then um, also realize that you may be able to publish something in a, a, a publication and then that publication may own that forever and they may not allow you to send it to other publications or you may be able to have them have the first rights and that publication publishes it 
And then you may be able to submit it elsewhere once it's run. But you just have to be careful to make sure you understand that language within the agreement to know, is this something that once this publication runs it, now I'm free to pitch it elsewhere? Or is it something where it's one and done and once they publish it, I can't publish it again anywhere else? So again, it just comes down to reading it. And this is not legal advice. If you have any questions, you need to contact your attorney and make sure that you understand your agreement. But also keep in mind, these are standard agreements for a publication and they just want an author to sign it. And so if you get really nitpicky about, well, I'd like to change the language in this, or I'd like to make sure that this doesn't um, read like that. The editors usually don't wanna bother with it. And they often don't have the authority because then they have to go to their publications attorneys to get it approved. And so it's one of those things where if you're gonna sign an author agreement, just know the editors are probably not going to want to change it. So understand upfront what you're signing and what it is before you agree to that. So I will post this on the Sober Marketing Council forum so you guys can have all the details. And um, I wanted to see, Brian, did you wanna introduce yourself quickly before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, I'm Brian Bebout with um, ID8 Branding Agency. I work with Kristen Sellier who is the, I believe, graphic artist expert. Yes, yes, she's the graphic design. Um, she holds that featured expert seat, so okay. absolutely. So thank you for coming, wonderful. Well, such great tips today. I always learned so much, and this is why we didn't want to take December off. I know it's just a few days before Christmas, but we didn't want to miss out on all these wonderful things that we learned today. So go ahead and sign up for January. The next meeting is January 18th. So we meet the third Tuesday of every month. And if you want to submit a tip and present, you can go to sogropr.com backslash submit. So it's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com backslash submit. And then we review all those tips and let you know if your tip has been accepted. And um, we will see you guys in the new year. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking the time to attend and for presenting today. You guys have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Happy Thank holidays. You. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.